Welcome to the Grumpy Surfer podcast and the Mindful Surfer podcast. Well, that was almost awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Because we had rehearsed this. Yeah, yeah, lo- lots of rehearsals. Uh, a little bit of collaboration. So for those of you who don't know, I live uh, down by Exmouth and the Mindful Surfer guys, uh, Will and Liam, they live in Sidmouth, which is about, well, what, five, ten miles away yeah. as the crow flies from where I live. And then it's about a 20 minute drive. It's not too bad, is it? Easy. And it's where the swell actually comes in to the south coast. It's, I think it's one of the first places where, um, where waves actually come from, sort of that little peninsula where Dartmouth is on the south coast and, and hits the south coast to get some waves as well. Yeah, it is true. It is although, true. although the north coast boys do laugh at us for not having proper waves. Well, they, I mean, look, I've, I've surfed a few times what, last year and the year before and met you guys in the water yeah. and... They're decent waves. I'm not going to say they're fucking world-class waves, but... The, you can ride them on a short board and a long board. So, you know, still surfing, right? It's, it's all it's, surfing. It's still surfing. And that was the point, wasn't it, really? That yeah. you can have a great time on these, on often what is just wind slop. Yeah. So that is what, it's our wind slop. We it, love it. It's our wind slop. And it's also what keeps us hungry. Yeah. When you meet other surfers from these parts of the world, there's always a slightly hungrier vibe going on because they've we've had to deal with basically slop and lacking power and lacking shape. And so when it is on, there's just this extra froth. And it, there's this froth even when it isn't on and it's just it's just breaking. Even if we have waves just breaking, yeah. literally in our on our beach, we're all like, whoa, going mental. And you meet a lot of surfers around the world and you kind of go, whoa, not all surfers are, are frothing, that's for sure. So it's a unique part of the world, I think. I think you get this on the East Coast of America too. You compare the West and East Coast and... Uh, California surfers got it all dialed in and it's oh yeah whatever whatever yeah it's a bit shit it's like but the east coast guys are like just on it all the time it's a different mindset I think when you have less yeah you maybe appreciate it more I don't know well the first clip I saw of Ben Graviads on you know the kind of super stoked uh, east coast American surfer um, the reason I started watching him really I was cruising YouTube for surf clips and I saw this little thumbnail of him surfing one of his local breaks. And I thought it was Sidmouth. I was like, wow, that that's, that looks like Sidmouth. P- started playing it and realised it was East Coast of America. And it's a similar vibe, isn't it? So we get what we get and we, we try not to get too well, upset. Well, this, is Liam's, this is Liam's quote, which I absolutely adore. You get what you get and you don't get upset. It's a, it's a really great mindset to have. I, I think, He's got the right board. I, I think I'm uh, my, my, my snobbishness of surfing has got to an extent now where you know you guys are, are super stoked to go down down to Sidmouth and I wouldn't I, I turn the camera on and have a look every now and again because I text you don't I? I say you know is there going to be any waves every now and again and I look at it and go that, that looks shit and I'm like nah and whenever I look at my forecasts and stuff now I'll only ever really go when I know it's going to be you know th- three foot and above yeah. and it's going to be and it's going to be decent and i think uh, from my like from my personal perspective I, i'm just sick of going surfing when it when it's just rubbish and i like to surf good waves now you know you both know that the consistency in this country is yeah. is pretty dire mm-hmm. unless you're willing to travel 
all around the country, different swells, whether it's Scotland, whether it's Cornwall, whether it's Wales, whatever different directions the swells are hit in this country. But we've all got a life and we've all got a job. Well, you two might have jobs. I don't know whether you could classify what I do as a, as a job, but it's, uh, it, it, it can be difficult to try and plan your time to, to do that. And, uh, yeah, so when, when I always listen to your podcast or I listen to see your little posts that come out on Instagram, it kind of makes me smile a little bit. A little bit of inspiration, I reckon. Yeah, well, it, and it's this thing where we're all so different, you know, and I think that every single surfer, every single human has a different approach and different set of likes and dislikes. And, you know, as we evolve, I think this is what I've learned at least about surfing, the ways we get to surf is mm. that if I can surf them well, or to my own level, whatever that well is, quote unquote, if I can surf them to the best of my ability, um, then that's the kind of progress that I really, really enjoy. Because of course, when you then do get your better days, because we do in winter get a lot of better days, especially when you live here and you live right next to the sea, um, then you can sort of light it up a lot more than you would have otherwise, because you... I mean, Ombi have talked about this. Ombi, you know, surf coaching Ombi have taught us a lot. If you can do a, a, a good turn on a on a crumbly wave, yeah, then then you are really getting this understanding of how to work your rails and also, how to paddle into waves. I think it's sort of for me as well. And we talked about this a lot before we even started doing our podcast ads, and you're kind of in the van and with surfing. Is that it's it's almost like the perfect metaphor for life surfing in the UK sometimes, isn't it? Because you dealt. Hand that you've mm. just got to deal with, and it's what you make out of that that you, you determines whether or not you're having like mega stoke or you're a bit miserable and that you don't really get the most out of it. So, there was a little bit that sort of every parallel we started drawing was like, Oh, you could sort of put this into life lesson as well. And I, I know it's a bit cliche sometimes where people draw those parallels, but certainly this idea of you know, you just get wet, you don't get upset. You surf what's give you, you get what you're given, and you make the most out of it. I think if you can sort of start to dial that mindset into your daily, uh, you know, land practice, the real world, if you want to call it that, then it it, it can help you out of some pretty sort of foggy, foggish situations. Mm. I think. Well, I'd like to do is I, I want to kind of digress <clears throat> this a little bit because we can yeah. surf, surf, talk for hours, um, you know, about these these little intricacies. Yeah. I'd like to kind of focus a little bit on um, like the podcast, your podcast, the Mindful Surfer podcast, yeah. and how you guys decided that you were going to do something like that as well, because I, I have my story. And I think as, I don't know whether I'm being biased here, but in this country, there are, there are kind of three, well, especially in the Southwest, there are three main podcasters. The yeah. UK Surf Show, there's you guys, the Mindless Surf, the mind, yeah, the mindful. I was to say mindless. We, we, Dave. <laughs> we, do you know we had a comedy but, character called the mindless? Uh, but but yeah. we got mindless Dave, which we yeah. can come back to. Yeah, and, uh, and I'm mindless all the time as well. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and my podcast. So, what I'd like to know is what made you guys want to start something up like that. Oh, that's a really good question, isn't it? Because it, it probably differs slightly between us at times, but there's a thread here I reckon that connects is that. Um, we we were just part part of the reason was the van trips really so that that was one of the kind of um, if you like the sort of lighting of a bit of a touch paper that we were just having these quite open very honest uh, conversations about everything from like fins 
to the meaning of life you know and the the sort of the kind of output of that will will having done a book before was like well let's why don't we start talking about this and put it out there why don't we do something that's a creative project um and i have to say i was a little bit re- not reluctant but fearful of it because you know you you have a job you have this kind of image of yourself that is the real world image you know or the one that you presented to to whichever version of yourself you want the world to digest and there's something in starting a podcast that when you're just having conversation between two people that gets less and less guarded as episodes go on and you start to sort of put out of the version of yourself that probably is the closest to your real self to an extent and that might not always be a person that every sing, every person that knows you thinks that they know, if, if that makes sense. So there's an air of vulnerability in starting any project that's creative that makes it both terrifying for me personally, but also electrifyingly exciting. Because once you light that touch paper and it's off and it's out in the world, it's gone. And then, of course, they're going to be people that can say, well, they digest it. They might not like it. They might love it. They might think it's a waste of time. They might think it's whatever. At least you've gone somewhere, a bit like Seth Godin, one of Will's kind of um, uh, heroes that he, he shared a book with me on, that if you create something and it's art and you do it for yourself, then that in itself is the only reason to do it. It doesn't really matter what anybody else thinks. So as an exercise in like self-care therapy, whatever buzzword you want to sort of call it, it's been phenomenal, really. But I still look at it sometimes and go oh shit i'm talking and pressing it a button that sends it out to anybody that's willing to listen and mm. and that is terrifying you know mm. and it's 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 kind of it's scarier the more you it is yeah because you're truly producing your art it's like this isn't sort of like me doing what i feel like i should do this is do, me doing what i want to do and then you get to either like it or not like it. And that's a true act of vulnerability. That's what art is. True art yeah. is is your version of what you think um, uh, you'd want to share that's within you. But for me, very similarly in following on from what you said, but it's this thing where um, I love, love having creative things in my life that are ongoing. It's like a lovely sort of um, groundedness that I get. For if I've got some sort of creative project going on that it just kind of lights up a part of me that I can't really describe and that's one that's one element and I'd, I'd stopped a lot of my creative stuff up to that point in regards to I used to do a lot of mindfulness coaching online and I wrote a book like Liam said and I a lot of that had come to an end and I hadn't done stuff for ages especially around lockdown and the second big reason that's probably the much more important reason ultimately is is to connect with Liam and just hang out yeah. and, and 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 be in the moment with someone where you get to talk about stuff that's fucking cool and meaningful and funny and interesting and kind of all the things that I love to talk about where well, there's no real stone unturned. You go from one end of the spectrum talking about pubic hair, yeah. you know, right, which I seem to be obsessed with, right down to the other end talking about, you know. Yeah, pineal gland. <laughs> exactly. Pubes to pineal gland. Pubes to but pineal it, gland. Exactly. It, it was that as well in a way that, you know, surfing media, and it's weird, we all launched at the same, same time probably, didn't we? We did, yeah. I mean, it was that, a bit bizarre, actually. That was one of the other points yeah. I was going to yeah. bring up. I, I can't remember whether it was, um, if you go, you know, if you want to be really, really petty with it and go back, look, who launched the first yeah. the first one? I think it was either, I think it might have been you guys. I think I started in, I started in, I started in late June. 
the UK surf show guys were early June. Yeah, we were June, I think. Yeah, yeah so it was all very strange. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I suppose you could, you could argue that the 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 kind of format and the niche was looking for something like that. Yeah. I don't know. It's really strange, isn't it? Because you don't really know who's listening to this. You can see figures and stuff on your uh, on your. Um, on your distributor, whatever it is, your your analytics and your statistics, yes. but you never really know who's who's listening to it. And I got stuck in a, um, I was obsessed yeah. with why other people weren't listening to what my content was being put out there because I thought I had, I know I have value in what I say from experience, but I was like. Why doesn't anyone else want my <laughs> want my content or want my value? And I think honestly, it took me around about about nine to ten months just to kind of, like Elsa says in Frozen, let it go. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 had to, I had to let all of that go, and um, and I, and from my perspective, you know, I was pulling in some pretty fucking cool guests. You know, I, I had Tom Carroll, I yeah, had yeah. I had Devin Howard, I had Ben Skinner. I had some, you know... John Wayne Freeman. John Wayne Freeman, exactly. Yeah. You know, I, I had some pretty cool people that I was speaking to. I was like, why are people not, not wanting to listen to this? But then you also got to remember as well that podcasting is very, very popular now. Like, there's, yeah. there's, there's, a, there's a podcast for everything, right? And there, there's too much... I think it's kind of over-swamped with, with stuff now. So, like you're saying, and I like the way that you put it, it's very much an art form. You know, not everybody is into painted art, for instance. You know, it, it's a personal thing. So whether, you know, someone might listen to my voice and go, fucking hell, he's boring as anything, you know. Same as you guys as well, right? A lot of people yeah. listen to ours and think that about us. But at the end yeah. of the day, you're creating something, you're putting something that people, one person might take something away from that. And if anything, True. for me, that's that's a good thing. Um, that's that's exactly it. I, I, we, we talked about this before, is that if only one person gets something from it that they didn't previously have, then that's job done. And, but the other side of it was, it's also not, it is for, if you like, the, everyone, but it's also, if it's, if you're enjoying the process of creating it, and it does something for you, and it's therefore you're doing it with your best intentions, mm. then there will always be somebody that sort of, that resonates with, because it's very authentic, and it's very real, and it's all that sort of thing. Um and the feedback's good, but it's you're right. It's not getting carried away with that, isn't it? It's just keep doing, keep turning up, keep it's doing. Consistency, so true. Consistency, yeah. And you can and you can stay within the remit of the status quo <laughs> of what you produce, and kind of go down the road of, well, you know, we really should look at these uh, analytics, and we should start saying more of this because that's what's popular in the media now, and so on, and so on, and so forth. And out of let's say the ten listeners, let's call it that you do have ten listeners. Let's say there are ten people out there who go to listen to your show, not a single one of them will be inspired. You talk from the heart, you talk from yourself, and be, and you are authentic, and you produce your own version of art, and nine out of those ten people are going to be like, oh, 
oh, that is fucking shit. <laughs> yeah. They're going to think it's so... Who's this knob? What is he? He's a... But, but one out of the ten will go, whoa, fuck it, that's sick. That's awesome. And this is the whole point about how we are just in life. The more authentic you are, the more it can and will stand out because it'll be pretty fucking different to, to the norm, to the status quo. But of course, if we really want to shift and move people, but not only people, but ourselves, because Liam and I don't want to sit and do something that's just like, well, we should be saying more of this. It's like, no, 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 we just want to talk about what we love. Then other people will be inspired to, who might also be the kinds of people who are with, like held back by fear, because that's kind of what happens to people, right? They they have these all these ideas about how they think they should do stuff based on this idea that you should be afraid because if it doesn't go like this and doesn't go like that then bad things will happen but what made you want to put the the mindful breath work and stuff into your podcast as well because i, I know it's something that you do on on every episode um and you again you you've maintained consistency with it as well what was kind of the 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 thought behind that we had both talked a lot in the van about the importance of breath work and talking for myself and I'm sure Liam will share his point on breathing um it's it's at least the last 10 12 years it's um it's been the most essential part of my life full stop because I deal with mental challenges and physical ones too um but every day I deal with those challenges because it's just part of life it's absolutely normal to have a mind that loves to go down strange rabbit holes because that's just how we are as humans so for me <clears throat> I wanted to have just a little tiny bit of that within the show because a lot of surfers that I meet um, are actually pretty darn switched on with this stuff. And and then we call surfers spiritual humans because, God, geez, what, what, what even is a spiritual human? But just for the sake of what we're saying, as a sport in general, when you get to know surfers, particularly out of the water, not necessarily in it, because I think a lot of surfers, myself included, we different in the water. But when you're out of the water with surfers as a... As a, as a race of human is that we are just kind of people that want that bit of extra depth in life so when you do that kind of breathing exercise i feel like it kind of tunes into that surfer who's like oh geez yeah if i breathe well and better and i'm more present i actually feel calmer and then you can take that into any area of your life and it's been, i'm glad you picked up on the consistency of it because we have we have just kept it yeah it was about the idea that the whole the premise of it was that we'd have this kind of that the, the Mindful surfer would bring like wellness. So there's a lot of wanky stuff in the and, 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 and I think this is the bit first thing to add on this is that we we wanted to be kind of uh, mindful, spiritual, deep, but without like scented candles and tree hugging, and it it was accessible stuff. So it was mindfulness, but with a smile on its face, which well, makes it a, real. There's world. a massive stereotype, isn't it? Yeah. It's like like for instance, what I do. Yeah. If you say to someone you're a holistic therapist, yeah. there's, there's a lot of stigma with that word holistic. Yeah. It's the same with mindfulness and well-being as well. There's, there's a stigma and a stereotype that comes with that. That that for you know from my background, you know, being in the military, yes. without sounding really bad, means weak. Yeah. That that's what it means. That that it like in the back of my head when someone says to me holistic, or mindful or wellness or well being, I'm just like that fucking now. What sort of pussy shit? Correct. This? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I now, you know, in the last sort of like ten years of my life, f see the value in it. Yeah, and, and I think the, the those words 
the vocabulary that's been been used is slowly coming to the surface as not having that stigma and stereotype but i think it's still there on the back of people's minds precisely and i, I think that's kind of that there's a there's a, there's a big i'll try and cut, make this concise in a way but surfing a bit surfing and i'm gonna you know bang the drug table for for us blokes here as well right so and as you, you you've been in like the uber macho world of the military and surfing is definitely has a macho side to it at times and all that kind of strong 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 let's you know if you don't do this you are a pussy and blah 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 big waves and if you don't like big waves then you're not fucking surfer and all this sort of stuff and and actually having an outlet for what is sometimes you know intimidating if it's the surf or life is intimidating and being open enough uh, even as you know, blokey, strong males to say, I need a bit of an outlet for this that's not going to damage my health, mind and body. And so, you know, surfing in itself is a bit of a backdoor, as Jerry Lopez said, backdoor cheat code into spirituality and mindfulness, which has its own benefits for the body. But then to bring in those other, almost like Taoist practices of breath work and meditation and all of that calm stuff that, balances you know that yin and yang isn't it to i'm nicking all of jerry's stuff here because he's almost wrote the textbook on this stuff but where you can be go 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 but you can also have a calm gentle soft side that doesn't mean that you're not strong or masculine it means that you are able to connect with a other part of life that makes the world a more balanced place really so i think it's good to especially for you, Ads, on the Grumpy Surfer podcast with the background that you've had, to bring that to uh, y- younger blokes as well who, who might be in the world that you've you've been in or walk the boards that you've walked, is it's really powerful, I think, for uh, role models to say, it's all right, just, you know, breathe, chill out. It's all mm. right to be a bit cheesed mm. off. It's all right to be frightened, mm. um, you know, different to panic, but be, be, be scared, but use the tools available to you to get over the hurdles that you're going to, face in life because everybody's going to face them life is going to be at times a painful old bumpy ride isn't it so you might as well have like we have the best fins for our board or we put wax on it you might as well have the tools and accessories that help you get the most out of it it's really really cool i also think that the performance side of things um is is seeping its way through into to, to surf media now because people top top people uh, in the surf world um, are discussing a lot on social media the importance of their breathing practices um, using words like meditation and so on and and not only how it helps them on land in terms of how they deal with with the stresses of, of land uh, land activities <laughs> land life land land life oh, you're a land lover you're a <laughs> land lover boy but but also um the effect, the positive effect it can have on your performance in the ocean. If if you think about how we are, that we have this mind, but of course it's completely linked to our bodies and vice versa. If you're not having a great surf or it's a bit intimidating or the crowd's getting in your head or things are happening, geez, if you have a practice of mindful awareness of your thoughts and your feelings and of your breathing, you can stop that session going down that kind of, oh, the surf was shit road or I, or I had a shit surf road. Quite often, in fact, I'd say one out of three surfs I'm just on, that that does happen. Um, but the remaining two, 
there are always variables outside my control that start to kind of get me in my head and start to affect my body and my performance and my snap and my everything might be a tight lower back from the previous days lifting or it might be there's a certain crowd that's being a bit a bit annoying a bit frustrating it might be the conditions have got a bit extra gnarly and it's all a bit whatever is happening in in surf as we know whether it's your internal state of that you're not just not feeling your best you might be hung over or whatever or that the external environment is actually um, taking you out of your your present moment. It's whatever takes us out of that flow. If we can have a practice that helps us be aware of that, well, then we then come back to that place of center because when we are in our center, we all know this. The reason why Michael Jordan was Michael Jordan was he was fucking good at knowing what his center was and how to get there. And that's all it was. He obviously was gifted and had amazing hands and unbelievable coordination. So don't be wrong, the Kelly Slaters of this world, Michael Jordans and so on, they're blessed, obviously, physically, but it's really how mentally blessed they are that, that really sets them apart in how they can come back to the zone over and over. So, yeah, I mean, I'd say, I'd say, yeah, I'd say the majority of my surfs um, that I have, uh, I, I really do need to call upon, like, being more mindful, being more aware, and especially of my breathing as well. What about you, Ads? Did you, because it's a good one for you that, you know, we're, we're, we're applying it to surfing, and I, I say this as a sort of, older Yorkshiremen as well and we have our reputation there for some of the straight talking and the you know what what would my younger self have felt about my mindfulness and talking about this and putting it out there as well I, I would I would love to go back and have that conversation with my 20 year old self you know do, has it been a challenge for you you know in your and we've talked about it in Will's context of rugby changing rooms as well that idea that have we just all changed or do you, do you find it's is still a little bit of a oh if I if I share too much I'm going to get ribbed and um, it's going to be quite a lot of banter between me and the boys and that sort of thing. I mean, how's how's it been for you? Not really. I, yeah. I think as a British population and as a British culture, we are very reserved in, in ourselves. Anyway, you 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 use that as a um, a comparison to say like you know the Chinese, the Japanese, the Americans. They're all very much open. They they talk about how they feel. At, all the time, whereas like we almost see, we almost look down on it to to talk about, you know, how we feel. And and I think these days that that culture change is, is slowly changing from a, from a military point of view, when you're in the deepest, darkest places, and I'm talking, you know, the, the tours that I did, you're always with the same people all the time. And one of the worst things that, a mind can have his time but if you're with somebody else you end up talking about yeah. stuff you know that you wouldn't necessarily talk to other people about because these people that you're um you're letting look after your life so to speak are there to save your life as well as well as do a job they're they're invested in you so when you end up talking about things with them you you do talk talk about personal things yeah. you know you mm. talk some people you say look you know that was that was fucking hardcore uh, and I, everybody's different right i think my perspective and my outlook on life is very can be very different and very much laid back than everybody else's i'm not an intense person i kind of just you know go with it 
things do bother me, especially as I've got older, but they never they never really have. And I think my mental state has kind of um, been in sync with that as well. You know, I I, I don't get um, I haven't or haven't suffered with PTSD or anything yeah. like that. I have seen some horrific stuff, don't get me wrong, but I think internally and mentally, I deal with it in, in a specific way. And, I've, and then I've used the comparisons before as like surfing and jiu-jitsu is or have, have been my anchors. You know, they have the, been the things that I, I think about and I watch and I read yeah. about and I talk to people about as well. That, that kind of... That grounds me, and it's it's the escapism to take your take those um, those thoughts away. And I think that the people that suffer with, you know, I'll kind of digressing and going on a bit of a tangent here, but people that suffer with mental health issues are the people that don't have that anchor. Mm. They don't have anything. They go to work, they come back home, and all they've got is Netflix and the news telling them, yeah. telling them what is going on. <laughs> yeah, what to be scared what about. What to be scared yeah, of, what's yeah, yeah. going on in the world, and then, you know, cracking a couple of cans, and that's their, you know, that's their diffusion from their day. And then they go to bed, they get up, and they crack on like that, and over a period of time, that's just going to start de kerfuffling their brain and that's you know where they mm. I think personally they, they go down that little yeah. rabbit hole and, and and again using the last you know five to ten years of uh, of my life and um, you know coming out of that conflict zone um, I, I've slowly developed my own ways of dealing with things like you breath work I started doing breath work I, I did yoga um, for a while but it always used to make me laugh the way that the yoga instructors used to talk and they used to say right you know um, using the breath work to, to help with the stretch of weather and, and I kind of associated breathing with that but then about three or four years ago, I just started counting my breaths at night because, you know, leaving the military for me was a little bit stressful. And um, it helped immensely. Um, and the tone that I'm aligned with, with a little bit of, I don't know whether you could call it yoga or stretching, um, a little bit of quiet time, I guess you could call it, which, which is like, go, you know, going into the sea. Surfing's a very an individual and, and, and a selfish sport, regardless of whether you go surfing with somebody else or you go with a group of people, you're on your own. So I always, I always kind of felt that that's what helped me more than anything, if that answers your question. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it's really cool. But it's also that being able to share that, I think, is important as well. To, going back to what we were saying about even if one person listens to the show, your show, our show, uh, whoever is producing stuff and putting it out there that has a little bit of an air of, yeah, again, there's sort of buzzwords, but vulnerability of this. I'm just going to explain what worked for me and the reasons why. And you can take that and do with it what you will. But hopefully the intention that you're putting out into the world is that somebody somewhere goes, oh, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't. I'm not. I'm not on my own. I do. I, I do feel a bit like that, and mm-hmm. you know, there are ways of dealing with it. And that's just. I've got. You know, it's a bit. It's a bit like giving people a, a tribe almost, isn't it? Or at least some connection to somebody else. And that's where podcasts are interesting. As is that, if you listen to when I listen to yours, or even in the same category like a Joe Rogan or something, it's a one medium where you feel part of the conversation, not that you're being broadcast at. 
it feels like you're in the room with mm. the people that you've chosen to spend the hour with. And I think there's something in that that goes way deeper than transactional watching John John Florence rip on YouTube or something. Yeah. I want to change the direction Go a little bit. I've got a bone to pick with Will. <laughs> All right. And I, why do you like going to Saunton and surfing a shortboard at Saunton? It drives me oh, nuts. Oh, that's a really good one. I, that's got a bit of history behind it. So we uh, have a place at Saunton. Okay. And I've, it, it's been in the family since the 40s. My, my, get this, my granny in 1945 um, saw that all the huts that are in the dunes there were getting knocked down after the soldiers had been housed there for their D-Day training on Saunton Beach. It's one of the beaches they used. Um, they were knocking a lot of them down. She spoke to the council, said, can I have one? They said, yes, can you give us a pound? She gave them a pound. There you go. So it's in the dunes at Saunton. And we've always gone there. Um, and so being part of... Uh, so I've also got a lot of older brothers. We've always gone there for surfs. And I've got three older brothers. They all surf. And they've all shortboarded. That's it. Shortboard, shortboard, shortboard. Or, or like uh, a hybrid, right? But not longboard. So you just kind of grow up with that culture. And now I didn't really surf until I was like 22, 23 anyway. But I, when I, once I got into surfing, I just used to just surf. Well, I, when I use the word shortboard, I look at... A shortboard is like, you know, 19 or 18 inches wide with a pointy nose rocker, small squash tail pintail. I wouldn't surf that ever at Saunton, not even a, not even if it's double, triple overhead. But I surf hybrids there, um, always like flat rockered, quads, twenties, that kind of thing. And I just, I just get on really well with that. But I have obviously longboarded a ton there as well. When the waves are like one to two, two to three sometimes as well. And in the summer, just gone because we stay there every, every summer for for a couple of weeks. I'd actually, out of all, let's say the fifteen surfs I had in, in two weeks, or how many surfs, I'd say twelve were longboard because it was just all that kind of like eight mm -hmm. nine second period swell. It was all around waist, no waist high, and sort of cruisy. But my thing is, is as soon as I can can do a turn, I just want to be on a hybrid. I want to be on something smaller and short. And Saunen kind of, I don't like you, Liam, but and, and and you as well, as obviously, but um. I think you can really rip a Saunton on the inside bowl on a smaller board if it's on. Um, if it's in the head, I was there last Sunday or Monday. No, I'd surfed at putts on Sunday. On Monday I was there and it was about a foot overhead on the sets, maybe two, but mostly head high and a real bowly shape. And it was like just just moving that board around the whole, all over the plate, like, but just real high performance. Um, there's a friend of ours called Rory Morgan, who's, who, I mean, He's a professional standard surfer, really, Rory. You know, you surf with him, and he um, taught, he, he taught called, called, called Saunton the, the high performer because, and it's kind of unusual to hear that because he does ride a shortboard there. But we both discussed it where Saunton as a wave provides you a really good canvas for a, whatever you want, it, as long as there's some energy in it. If it if it's a normal Saunton day, and it's just a bit slack, obviously it's like it's a really hard way to surf on a smaller board, but. If it's kind of pumping there and it's not too big, if Saunton gets big again, it doesn't. But around head high, at ten seconds, eleven seconds, pushing tide. So that's my very, very long answer. <laughs> so this is where the grumpy surfer comes out of me. Like you know, I, I, I see. I've always seen Saunton as a as a longboard wave. Yep. 
purely for the fact the top of the, the you know the geographical topograph of Saunton is just flat sand sandbars I'm not going to say when they work but they work when they work um, and I, I always associate it with that every time I've ever ever been out on on a shortboard or a hybrid or a fish or whatever it is I've never really got on with it I guess that's my own sort of thing um, but I'm like well you know, some days I'll be, oh, I want to go on my longboard. I love longboarding. But then other days I just look at it like, for instance, and, and this is the example that I'm going to use really, is you put something on Instagram on, on your stories. You showed Saunton. But I wasn't looking at Saunton. I was looking at the point and mm. I was just looking at the reeling um, A-frames coming through the house. Like, yeah. dude, why didn't you just <laughs> fucking walk up the road and go and surf that? Yeah. I, I, I love the point. Um, it's gnarly as fuck if you, if you get it wrong. Yeah. But there are a bunch of other waves around North Devon as well that, that can equally on par with it. And I've used this example before with a few other of my friends that have decided to move down to Cornwall. Cornwall has like one or two reef breaks that's it north devon has got or devon as a whole has probably 10 15 maybe yeah. and they're all on their day you know pretty awesome i've had and, and i don't know why ever you know i've been surfing since i was 14 north devon probably since i was about you know since i could drive so what um, when could you drive? Is it 17? 17. 17, yeah. So like between 17 and 19, you know, I used to drive down there, used to have family holidays, but you know, whenever I had a free weekend, I used to sleep in my car, sleep down in the, the car parks in Wollacombe because they weren't, you know, pay as you get robbed these days. Um, so I, I've, I've always just associated different breaks with di different, you know, different types of, um, different types of board and different types of surfing, I, I, I guess. But I, I really wish that I'd kind of just gone to these places that I've been surfing the last five or six years because now I'll rarely go to a beach. And you know yourself, surfing in the last, well, since COVID has exponentially yeah. exploded as a pastime because everyone wants to get outdoors. You know, everyone's a surfer these days. Everyone's got a surfboard. It's fucking basically, you know, floating turds in the water that you have to <laughs> avoid half the time. And I read something, uh, um, no, I'm done. I'm done. I've gone on a bit of a rant here. <clears throat> I was reading something this morning of... Uh, one of, one of the local guys um, from North Devon that I know, and um, he he was saying that he he was went up to surf one of the two. I'm not going to mention them on here because people listen to it, but one of the two reef breaks up in North Devon that he went to surf there, and one of them, one of the guys said that he got out of his car and there was a guy that's got one of these little smart cars, and he had a surfboard that you could split in half. So his car wasn't big Real. enough to put a surfboard rack or roof rack on the roof. So we had one of these like hybrid boards that you clip together. Whoa. And this is like, this is a proper, this was yesterday. So it was proper pumping at certain places wow. and a little bit naughty if you fell off your knee. You could, you could hurt yourself. So kind of a semi-wave of consequence. And they said people were on foamies. 
taking off uh, uh, you know on set waves and just going straight the guys clip together surfboards and i'm just kind of like you know this is this is kind of the area that we're in now it is unfortunately oh, but, well you want you want something to be accessible right for everybody but at the same time it's no your not your comfort zone it's your safety zone and that safety zone encompasses other people doesn't it if you if you're out of yours you're going to affect somebody else whether they're going to come and get you save you or uh or you're going to whack them. But yeah, that's frightening. Well, like a Brompton surfboard. You know those bikes that fold up that you see oh, people yeah, on the tube like a folding with bike, in London? Board, that's amazing, board. isn't it? I mean, I can't... can't I, wrap my head around that. I can't personally picture it. It must have involved a lot of bolts or like, you know, locking nuts or something. But I just think like, you fall off and that hits you. You know, I mean, I've got a big scar on my head up here from being hit in the head with just, you know, an epoxy board. What What's a bolt going to do when Christ it smacks you in the, in the melon? It's on, a, on a wave that's got a bit of power behind yeah, it as no well, way. which is, you know, it, it's a bit naughty. Talk to us about the uh, local surf scene around here in Sidmouth, you know. What, what's your thoughts on it? You know? Well, well, Wilkins, I'm a blow-in, as they would describe me, probably, because I'm a Yorkshireman in, in Devon, but I've been here... A long time married to a Devonian, and uh, it's. It, I, I'll, I'll give it you from my perspective actually, and I better be careful because uh, somebody just posted something actually about <coughs> the breaks and the beaches and their appraisal of like the spots that we are not very accurate in some ways of the spots that we surf. But generally speaking, it's a fairly welcoming break, but there is a hardcore community of really committed, uh, cool, interesting surfers that are prepared to get in regardless of the conditions. So, and, and I think that probably is kind of indicative of the conditions that they surf, is that they, they're really kind of proud of the break. Um, they surf it and surf it well. And, but they are, they are sort of fairly chilled, easygoing. They're not really sort of gnarly, aggy locals that you might find in some other parts of the southwest and indeed devon and and then the world so it's been a really good um place for me to to sort of become a, a i guess a local face in the in, in in the ocean um but that doesn't mean you can you know it's the same thing isn't it? you you got to respect the lineups and 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 the the, the locals um, but it, generally speaking, it's quite an easy place to surf as well. So that, again, that's why I think I get a lot of people drifting in. Um, but it's a good spot if you like brown water. If you like brown water. And deadly seals. Uh, you t- <laughs> we've, got the, we've got the world's most intimidating seal. Uh, the, yeah, Tyson, we call it. Yeah. This one seal that comes out and is an absolute beast, isn't he? Yeah, he is. The, and he scares the shit out of you when he, and he just pops his head up. Massive great the thing. top G. Oh, mate. Yeah. But also, Simmons is a really weird spot. Like, I have... We moved back about six years ago, but I did grow up here as well. I wasn't surfing back then, but I was aware of the surf vibe growing up too. Um, but Simmouth is a really interesting spot where you don't feel like you're in a surf town. Do no. you really like, you, you don't, you just don't, even in the middle of winter, like pumping swells, you don't feel like you're in a surf town. When it gets sunny and it's a weekend day and the North coast is blown out and we get in suddenly a clean wave like yesterday, it's suddenly like, whoa, and there's vans everywhere and it's it's there's a lot of people in the water and the surf looks quite good. But it's one of those interesting waves for, from my perspective as a bigger bloke who likes to do more powerful turns and wants to kind of really hit the lip hard. Um, it's at its best when there's fewest people in, as in, because it's a bit bigger, 
but it's also looking like really junky. But if you really have got a keen eye for the waves in Sidmouth, you know when you're going to be able to do your turns and when you're not. And it can look absolutely shite and you'll have an amazing surf. But loads of that, and we talked about this loads on our show, loads of that is just your mindset. Like if I go in, like I'll, I'll give you an example. I surfed um, a famous South Coast wave, which I won't mention, a couple of times, three, four weeks ago, and didn't have a great surf, both surfs. And I don't tend to have two back-to-back that don't go so well based on crowd, the intensity of the lineup, the agginess of it, um, the lack of sort of set waves. It was all very beautiful, very picturesque, but it was just fucking hard work. It was so difficult to really get some some stoke. I then, we had a little bit of a pulse of wind coming in uh, two, three days after I'd had those two kind of shit surfs really. And the level of froth within me was just like overflowing because I was just like, right, I'm going to get in. I'm just going to surf anything because I just love how when we surf in Sidmouth, you've got to be fit as to really make it work because you've got to be paddling. I mean, literally nonstop for two hours. I must do like 12 kilometers of paddling in one session. It's kind of normal. You're not sat there waiting for a set wave. You are, do you know what I mean? You are just constantly paddling. So there's that factor. But I was like, oh, I'm absolutely frothing. And on that Sunday, it was three, four feet onshore, classic Sidmouth. But the way Sidmouth is, is because it's a really weak wave and the typography under the water is just this kind of gradual sand and it doesn't have any power when you get your onshore wind then you get power but because this it's not then overpowered because the typography is weak you actually get a really workable wave now like i said it will never get crowded because you've got to be super fit and just be constantly paddling and have a smaller board to be able to duck dive and duck dive you'll do like fucking 15 duck dives in five seconds because like you know the period is like 0.1 seconds or something but- yeah and if you have to drive here this is I'm saying this out loud so <laughs> yeah, yeah. oh is everyone listening yeah. if you if you have to drive here to come and surf there are better places to go you know if you've got to make the trip then I would check the other spots on Magic Seaweed there are a lot of other spots except for, for Simmet 100% agree yeah but if you I mean listen if you, if you well you've surfed it Ads you've surfed it um, yeah I have uh, the odd occasion when I thought it might be good and you know it's it's very it's very hit or miss I mean, look, you're talking about this. Adam Amin was back in town, wasn't yeah, he, correct, over Christmas? Yeah. And um, yeah. he went in for a, little, a few little wiggles, didn't he? So, you know, if, if that bloke who was uh, a p- previous podcast guest, um, you know, he's killing big waves in Hawaii and he's coming back to Sidmouth, you know, his hometown, and, and, and he's jumping in the water, you know, why can't anyone else? And it, for it, me, it, just with this thing about expectation, because the thing about Sidmouth is, and Liam, I'm sure would agree, it's... The, it's you, you set your level of expectation like on the floor. And because it stays down there, if I can go in and do a turn on each wave, hopefully, and have some takeoffs where there's that real thrill of the takeoff and have a load of paddling and be in nature and be surrounded by the rain and the wind and in the elements, if I can cover all those, tick all those boxes because that's pretty low expectations of just one turn or half a turn, I know I'm already going to be scoring because you're probably going to get a little bit more than that anyway. But the thing about Simmons is you've got to keep your... Do you know what I'm trying to say? Well, we talked about this a lot. But like I said at the beginning, it's a perfect analogy of being, making the most of what you get served up. And, you know, we're surfers. We love to be in the uh, ocean, swimming, whatever we're doing. To be in there is, a, is, a, is, a, is an absolute gift and a treat. And we've, you know, felt, count myself fortunate compared with a lot of other people who can't get in there every day. Um, so you get what you're given, but actually it's those little moments where you get in without that expectation 
that you find some of the best ridden waves, the little ankle snappers that come through and you get the longest ride you've ever had or, you know, you, you find yourself in there when there's no one around and it's quiet and it's just us two surfing and that's like millionaire surfing. So, yeah, I think it's just that practice of being thankful, grateful and joyful for any little bit of pulse of wave energy that you can get on a board and ride on. And that's what Sidmouth gives us. So then when you go somewhere else yeah. that's pumping... Uh, not too pumping in my case, but pumping. You're like, wow, it's fantastic. Yeah. You know, so it's a really good, it's a good leveler. And, and a bit, you know, on the point about Adam and people who've surfed it really well, um, if you can surf, this is me coming in and surfing Sidmouth in the, 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 the last few years I've surfed it. If you can surf places like Sidmouth well that is underpowered and sloppier and as Will said, you can't get many turns in, um, you, you take that experience and go somewhere where you can and it feels, surfing feels easier once you've surfed Sidmouth. Uh, and I'm still on this kind of path of trying to get better and better. Um, so I'm still alert. I still can't consider myself learning to surf even after 20 years. But Sidmouth has been a brilliant place to kind of reset the clock a bit and remind remind you what you're going to do. And also, it's it's friends, right? Because where yeah. where where we are, it's a very small surf community. You know everybody, and I'm really good mates with most of the guys. So. Like one of my mates, Lewis, uh, remarks a lot. He says, yeah, surfing Sim is like the best pub in the world. Because yes. you're not going to go and have things that are going to make you feel unhealthy. You're going to go and see your mates, hang out, chat, chat, da-da-da, and do a few yoobs and whatever for the ways that we have. And it's like the level of froth goes up because we're sharing it together. So it's almost like a shared kind of joy of like, our waves are so junky and funny. But in a way, that that's part of what we love. It's, it's just the... Do you know what I mean? Because we don't yeah. take it seriously. It's, it's. I mean, there we get our better days, but it's get, it's getting a good. It is becoming quite a surf. Weirdly, it's becoming a surf test. All these bloody podcasts, isn't it? But you, you know, you mentioned people like Adam Amin, uh, Carl Baker, who is a good surf photographer. He's based in the town. Um, there, there's some really good watermen in the town. You know, there's a guy uh, Dave Manley who started the Surf Lifesaving Club here, who's worked Bondi and Cornwall as a, as a lifeguard back in the day. And so you've got a really deep heritage of like water people in this as you would expect and but as will said it doesn't always seem like a surf town it's a quite a sleepy kind of retirement place as well that's the that's the outside view of sidmouth but there's a real committed uh community of water users from the oldies if i can call them that i'm sure they wouldn't mind right through to the groms who are absolutely frothing so there you go what boards you guys riding at the moment i know you've sold about twenty thousand puddle jumpers haven't you i sold my new one because i had realized that it's just over foam i just was i was not really sinking rail and that's in sidmouth because sidmouth you need a lot of foam but i then got a puddle jumper <laughs> hp so that i got rid of my puddle jumper original and got a puddle jumper hp which is a little drop down in in volume because i do love the outline i've, I've always just love geez when i first got on a puddle jumper Fuck man, just just speed. As soon as you get your foot on that tail pad, it's just joyful. But as the years have gone on, I've gotten better, and for sure. And and he, actually, yesterday was a good example. I went back on my original puddle, which is the old one I had. I had it sort of refurbished, and I was on it yesterday, and I was kind of struggling actually. Even though the waves were a bit slack, I was struggling to get my rail in and do the kind of turns I would normally do. So my I'm on a puddle jumper HP now, which is the high performance, and it's about twenty one and a half wide two and a half thick it's got a really thin tail but it's about 38 39 liters and it's just a really nice flat rocket so very forgiving on takeoff and it's just got a ton of speed out the gate out of the, out the tail pad and i i'm sort of 
I'm, I'm just basically a solid rail surfer. I'm not. I'm. I'm nowhere near a air guy at all, really. Or and and when it comes to barrels, fuck, I'd love to be able to bend a bit better, <laughs> and not just fucking stoop my head into the lip. And the, some of the photos I've seen of me at the Bristol Wave when I'm pulling into a barrel are. It makes me shit myself. Seriously, that's how it's that embarrassing. But I. I can get on rail and that's kind of what I love to do and get a big floater in and a big hack and a big this and a big that. Um, and just wave count, just just get a few waves and that board does help me do that. But you, you've had a good journey on the yeah, board, haven't you? Yeah, I have. I, you know, I've interested, not like, I'm a very much a make do mend with whatever board I can either get secondhand or steal off wheel or, or whatever. But when I was, you know, I started surfing as when I came back from Australia and, and I, my first ever board was a Graham Bunt Minimal bought from what was the original surfed out shop, which is about seven, six, I think. Uh, and that was back in what, 99, 2000, something like that. And I've never ridden a, I've not ridden a board as long as that since. So to your point about Saunton, I've always tried to sort of, they just seem to suit my body and is smaller boards anyway. I'm not a huge very heavy guy and and so at the moment you know i went through that sort of journey of i used to love my golf golf stream you know jewels in golf stream uh, back in the sort of early 2000s i had a speed dialer and a i reckon it was a retro rocket he called it and they were great boards but they were better boards than i was a surfer probably and so i thought i was like surfing and it was only really actually in the last few years of coming and experimenting with different boards from uh, mid-lengths I had a 7-0 Luke Young which was really good that Will broke and uh, <laughs> I had uh, <laughs> and then and, and then actually just, just just on the point about foamies one of the best boards I ever bought for confidence of takeoff even in some bigger stuff was a foamy the Mick Fanning 510 uh, Little Marley it's called it's a brilliant brilliant board for just mucking about in the summer but also actually surfing some interesting kind of waves where you need to get in as early as you might do on something like a long board and then as I've progressed my two the the Mick Fanning is a great board for just mucking about in wind slop and surf and it's actually a better board now than I ever thought it was partly because of some of the improvements I've made to my own fitness and surfing Um, but the other two that I love uh, and I haven't surfed the newest one as much as I would like, is I've gone full shortboard. I've got an Almeric flyer, uh, which I've surfed at Morgan Porth and parts of Cornwall and had some good surfs so on, on that. No. Great surf at Watergate. But it's again, it's a pu- it pushes me that board because I'm not really a great short shortboard surfer. Uh, I've got a lot to do. And then the other one that I really have connected with, I did have a puddle jumper in the middle, which I which, which was brilliant, but I was it was a bit too big. I'd gone for too large one at six foot. I should have probably stuck with like a 5'8". Uh, but that did help progress some level of surfing until I sold it. And then I've got this uh, old board by an Australian sh- shaper uh, called Luke Short, uh, f- famous Aussie surfer, that I bought from Will. That's actually 6'2". It's got a beaky, flat, rockered nose, but it's a twinny. And that goes brilliantly well at places like Saunton and Sidmouth. So it's kind of like a, for me, that's my performance groveler at the moment. Um, although I surfed it the other day and felt like I'd gone back about 20 years in surf ability it was the worst surf I've ever had um, because it's quite twitchy and if you're not completely on your a-game getting up and getting on and riding the wind slop is quite it's quite difficult but that's they're my boards at the moment and I, I tend to sort of pivot between the Mick and the Luke Short and then if I get a chance to go somewhere a bit more critical then I'll try and surf the the Almeric Flyer. I think I've got to a point with my quiver now where I'm, I'm just happy with it um, I, my uh, my my 
my 7-0 that I primarily surf. Love it. Yeah. It's my point grinder. It's why I surf the majority of reefs. If it gets a little bit more steeper, I've got my, you know, I've got my um, my 6-4. They're all really thick, high volume boards as well. I've got other boards as well. I've got a little 5-8 fish and stuff, but I'd primarily just stick with the, those those two boards. Yeah. And, you know, I, I, um, I, I, just, I just love surfing them. Uh, I've got... Um, a uh, Ben Skinner cherry picker as well, which I which I surf. Um, you know, when when it's a bit more longboard, you surf Exmouth on that as well, which is pretty good, nice and wide, nice and thick, really light as well. So I think I, I'm just at a point now where I'm going to be that guy that just surfs the same boards now until you know until I get bored of it, I guess, yeah. or until I can't surf anymore, purely for the fact that. I started off surfing short boards on, on twin fins and I've done full circle. I've done every single mm. board you can do, 20, thruster, bonza, single fin, two plus one, you know, all those different different constructions and, and, and put together. So now I've just gone back to back to my 20s. I just love how fast they are. You know, they're a little bit loose as well, but you can tie that up with, with some kill fins or different types of fins to, to tighten those things up. And, you know, I've definitely come to the conclusion that I am not a pro surfer. I'm not going to be smashing the back out of a wave, you know, spraying God with the water that I threw out of the back of my board. I'm happy with, you know, some some nice little turns in the pocket, you know, setting up maybe for a little barrel here and there if, if they ever do present themselves. If not, I'm just, just happy doing what I'm doing. Same. Um, and, and I have started to smile when I'm surfing as well which is which is shocking for me because I'm probably the most non-emotional <laughs> person that I know uh, you know and that and that's saying something I think so yeah I I don't know whether people get to a point where they're just bored of changing things so many times or they find something that they're, they're happy with and and they, and they just stick with it and 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 that just becomes their their norm then because it can become quite habitual can't it Right, oh, this board's come out now. Um, you know, Tom Carroll can do this, or Tom Cohen can do this, or Kelly Slater can do this on it. You're not fucking Tom Carroll, <laughs> you're not Kelly Slater, yeah. you're never gonna be. Yeah. So, why would you expect to do that on something that's you know, it's basically buying the new, you know, Versace bag or something? It, it's just a brand name that somebody's brought out that looks Gucci as anything, and you're never really gonna. You're never really going to surf it like it is. So, you know, I've come to the conclusion now is you find something that you enjoy and you just stick with it and, and just ride that out, you know, really. Yeah, totally. It's really good. I love that philosophy. But that's the thing about surf. I mean, it's, we're now marketed to on a daily basis by the surf media, the surf industry, to get the next best thing and the next big thing. And you're right. Unless you are the, the, the pro riding it, you're not going to do the things that the pro riding it does on their board. They could ride, I often say this, they could ride a, a baking tray and surf yeah. better than I can. And also the kinds of waves they're surfing as well. Yeah. It's not just that, because Jesus, we can all, on our day, on that perfect wave, surf our best and it can look better. But imagine taking a pro and then putting them on that wave. And yeah. it's like, even their junk, because we get the, you know, these videos, oh, the latest hybrids out, the ultra gravel, it'll go in like two foot or anything. And you watch their two foot, it's like lowers. And he's like, like no, one of my favourites is Noel Salas. What a yeah. absolute hero riding this his is 20, slack wave. 22 litre, like this, that. Oh, you got, yeah, you know, you could ride anything in this. And we're sort of watching it going, yeah. 
It's just not reality. But I think that's where there's a massive, massive niche that is to be explored of, of super average waves, super average surfers, but lots and lots of footage and marketing to those surfers. Because still to this day, I don't think that kind of exists. No. I think I think it's because it's hard to achieve. You've got to be there filming those guys in those kind of conditions and it's funding and it's that kind of thing. Do you know what I mean? It's And you, you, you think about a brand as big as you know, Lost or Channel Islands, all these people, they're looking at their marketing uh, funding. Where are they going to put it? Well, they're going to put it at the pro because they know they're going to get the sale. I don't think there's any anything wrong with that. It just is yeah. kind of just the way the way it is, capitalist world. I think you nailed it on the head at the very start. And, you know, people that listen to the podcast, especially the surfing ones that I do, you know, I'm very pro um, Ombi yeah. with, um, with, with, with Clay and Ant and, and all those guys. And I've done podcasts with, you know, you know two or three of them now. And I think what they're trying to do is trying to cater for the beginner intermediate surfer and everybody, you know, unless you're a professional, in my opinion, you know, comes into that intermediate, advanced intermediate, really. Uh, And what they're trying to do and put content out for people that isn't necessarily there. There are other people doing it as well, but I think they're, they're starting to do it really, really well. And that's why totally. I kind and and that's why I kind of you know sing their praises and I and I put the discount codes and all the links and stuff yes. from the podcast yeah. onto it is because f- from my point of view when I started um, you know using their program and and it was just a couple of really small things that just changed mm. everything for me you know and I've told them that you know I messaged them I talked to them and Ant, from Exmouth as well so you know I, I've touched base with him when he comes back and have a chat with him and. Uh, and what they're putting out there kind of really resonates. Yes. And I think it does a lot with, 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 with a lot of people um, because, you know, you can get stuck into those Noel Salas videos where he's um, he's reviewing the latest board, but he's a fucking ripping professional mm. surfer yep. without the professional bit in front of it. He can do all those things on that board. Stick Dave from Sidmouth, yeah. who wants a new board and he's got this new Channel Islands, whatever it is, dimensions, blah, blah, blah. And he goes and takes that down in the local slot pool. You know, even when on a good day, it's not particularly, you know, gold standard. Yeah. And tries to do those things without that consistency, without that technical background on knowing where to put their weight on the rail and using the rail and using the tail and the fins. The list is endless. He's never going to get the maximum performance out of what that board is designed for. And, and, and that's why I'm, I, I kind of go away from sort of like board shapes and stuff these days about, about really talking about them because uh, unless you have the technical knowledge which comes with time and experience, it's kind of lost on deaf ears because you could have been surfing for two years and you could sit there and I've had these conversations with peoples in pubs before where they talk this mega wave and it sounds like you know they've been to Uluwata and <laughs> surf yeah. G-Land and surf you know yeah. 15 foot massive kegs yeah. when the fucker just surfs a foamy and can only just stand up yeah, so yeah, you know, know. Th- th- this, th- there's this connection and disconnection with things these days and I think just finding your own little niche and what makes you happy is, is kind of the way forward really it's like your um, that's right we call it the pub surfer but it's a bit like your the military analogy of saying you know how many people have been in the SAS or whatever, if it'd be the biggest regiment in the world. It's the same with surfers. If you get in a pub with surfers, it's like, how many people have actually surfed 
Pipeline or Mavericks or, you know, it's like, fuck, there's millions of them. Yeah. You know, it's it's weird, isn't it? That there's People want to hype up their experience of something to beyond where it is because surfing has got that bravado element to it, you know. As soon as the, you know, first pint of Stella and there's suddenly Kelly Slater. So you know, true. I am anyway. Listen, Will's <laughs> missus is sat outside yeah. in the cold with the dog. So let's let's wrap this up a little bit, right? There you go. Uh, let's let's do the uh, quick fire round with both of you. I'm yeah. going to ask the question. I want Liam to answer first, and then and then you will. All right. Got it. So if you could uh, surf a twin fin, single fin, thruster, two plus one, bonza, or finless f- for the rest of your life, which one would you surf? Twinny. Thruster. Tea or coffee? Coffee. Coffee. The best person to share a lineup with? Ah, oh, it's got to be Will Foster. Liam. The worst sure. person to share a lineup with? Will Foster. Liam. <laughs> very you, good. That if, was really good. <laughs> I like it. It's very, very well in tune as well. No practice there whatsoever. If you could surf one wave or one break for the rest of your life, where would that be? There's got to be somewhere that you've surfed, not somewhere you've watched on a DVD or VHS or YouTube. This is, I mean, this is an existential question, Ads, that comes to the heart of the mindful surfer. I think, you know, dream waves. I haven't surfed, but I'd like, I'd love to have a go at J-Bay, you know, that because I've got this board as well. This is a coot board, very quickly, that I got made by um, Local Motion that is from J-Bay. And I've never surfed J-Bay. I've never surfed the board properly. So I'd love to go there and surf. But realistically, I'll surf whatever I've got, wherever I've got it. And then I am I feel like I've won the lottery anyway. That's such a fucking cop-out answer. I know. Well. <laughs> Don't be as lame as me. Sortman. Love it. Well, Liam, the mindful surfer, Yay! guys. Thanks very much for uh, joining me on the podcast. Thanks, guys. Let's, Thanks do it again. Let's, let's do it again. Legend. And that's it. If you like the podcast, please like, share and subscribe on your podcast providers and leave me a little comment on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening.